Natural Selections is supported by Tug Hill Tomorrow Land Trust, helping kids and their families fall in love with nature. Learn more at TugHillTomorrowLandTrust.org. Let's go back in time through breathing. You were talking about how we breathe, how other things that breathe, breathe. Uh, well, I mean, I know how I breathe. I have a diaphragm. It sort of helps me draw in air, right? So it's like a big pump working all the time. It's like a set of bellows and stuff. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Part of it is, and the, yeah. So to sort of help visualize it, it's kind of like uh, your diaphragm is under your rib cage, and it's a sheet of muscle, and it's sort of curved up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a drum head. And if you tighten it, the drum head flattens out and gets really kind of strong and stiff. And if you pull down like that, you made more space in your chest. Right, you draw in some air. So that makes the balloons of your lungs draw air in. So that's how you inhale. And then to exhale, you just stop stretching that diaphragm so it kind of rises up and loosely again. And then you squeeze with your rib cage muscles. So I'm not thinking about this while I'm doing don't it. Don't think about it or you won't be able to do it. <laughs> So the technical term of it is tidal flow. It's like the high tide coming in and the low tide flowing back out, just in and out and like that. But if you start looking, the evolutionary version of all this is that the the different uh, vertebrate animals with backbones are all related Mm -hmm. through evolutionary time. And uh, you can see the relationships, how this would work. So if you go by the evolutionary story, animal, uh, mammals descended from reptiles. And if you look, reptile breathing is similar but a little different. They have lungs. So they have lungs, but things are built a little differently. Like if you're a snake, let's say, they've only got one lung usually. They usually, for some reason, use their right lung. and <laughs> They're so skinny. <laughs> not, not a lot of room in there. But right. uh, then you look at some of the bigger ones like crocodiles and alligators. They've sort of like us. But instead of just having that sheet of muscle for their diaphragm, the muscles attached to the biggest organ in, in their innards there, their biggest thing is their liver. And it sort of contracts and drags the liver back into their body. And that's what makes space for the lungs to expand. So they still have that tidal flow, right? Yeah. But instead of just a plain old sheet of muscle opening up the space, the muscle drags their liver back like a piston almost. Wow. And uh, then to, to exhale, they squeeze their ribs like uh-huh. we would, and okay. the liver will move back. So that's the reptiles. Yeah. So if you follow um, the evolutionary version of history, the ancestors of reptiles would be amphibians, which to a lot of us would look like reptiles. You know, mm-hmm. the frogs and salamanders yeah. might look like them. But you look close, and there are, of course, lots of big differences. And one of them is they don't have scales on their skin. Like, like the reptiles would. And in fact, uh, most salamanders don't even have lungs at all. So like, how do they... How do they breathe How do they then? do it? And they, they don't Because they don't have gills. <laughs> right. They do when they're tadpoles. Right. I mean, yeah. And that would actually kind of make sense too in the evolutionary story. But uh, they breathe through their skin a lot too. Wow. So um, if you you're... You mean they're just hanging out on the forest floor and they're breathing through their skin? And uh, also through their mouth and their nostrils. In the case of salamanders, they'll, if you look close, oftentimes it looks like their chin or their throat is pulsating. 
Oh. Well, frogs balloon out their throat, too. Is it the same? Is like an air sac or something? Yeah, for frogs, they have lungs like we do, but they're smoother, if you look at it. Like with ours, ours look like sponges, and mm-hmm. there's little passageways where all this gas exchange happens. For them, it's just like a balloon, <laughs> and there's a little bit of oxygen picked up on the surface, but the rest is just to pull air in, and it's as much for making a call or for floating in a pond or sinking, whatever they want, as much as for that. Mm. But it's more complicated, too. If they do want to breathe through their lungs, they don't have ribs in a diaphragm. They close their mouth. They breathe the air in through their nostrils by lowering the floor of their mouth. And so their chin bulges out. Then they close their nostrils and squeeze their throat upwards. And that sends the air into their lungs? Pushes the air into their lungs. Whoa. So it's a lot more complicated. Yeah. I like our method. Yeah. But if you watch that pulsating of their mm-hmm. chin, it's a lot like you think of a fish pumping its gills. So where do we go back in time from the frogs and the fishes? Well, the evolutionary progression then would be the ancestors of amphibian, amphibians would have been lungfish that don't have the big scales. They pump their throat like that and also have sacs that can be lungs in addition to their gills. So they sort of have both. They would have both. So if a lungfish from Africa or South America is in water, it can use its gills. But if it runs out of oxygen because it's in a swamp or something or the thing's drying out, they can sort of divert the blood system and shunt it away from the gills and hook it up to their lungs. So they're sort of the crossover. They're the crossover, you could say, like the earliest ancestral form that would have given rise to amphibians, which gave rise to reptiles, which gave rise to mammals. Thanks very much, Dr. Kurt Steger of Paul Smith College. I'm Martha Foley at St. Lawrence University. Natural Selections is produced by North Country Public Radio with natural sounds by Ted Mack. The program is underwritten by Paul Smith's, the College of the Adirondacks, 800-421-2605.